for this beautiful hymn or song. Uh, as we be still before you, may your spirit move and touch our lives and move this church. Thank you, Lord, that you're a good God, and we want to believe and have faith in you, and so release the faith in us, Lord, to trust in this almighty God to do mighty things in our lives. Bless this morning as we read, as we study your word on the topic of Holy Spirit. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's good to be back. Last week uh, I was in Vancouver. I went to attend a bilingual church service and uh, that comprises of many different uh, nationalities. And now I'm back in Melbourne uh, worshipping with you. It's good to... Uh, Every Sunday, I think about this church. I say, oh, by this time, they, they should be in service now. They should be singing now. Uh, Pastor Bruce or Caroline is preaching now. I pray for you all. Uh, somebody said we should have six-month vacations twice a year. <laughs> <coughs> Thankfully, no one said that to me. <laughs> uh, and my highlight, uh, people have been asking me, my highlight was in uh, Vancouver, uh, met up with my cousin. I have not seen my cousin for 30 years. I don't have her uh, phone number. I only have her address. I got it from my sister. She fell out with her family. So no one knows where she is. And my sister just only have her address. Uh, so I one Sunday afternoon, I went all the way to, to this place called Port Moody. And I, I said, I just give it a go. If she's there, she's there. If she's not there, it's all right. And then I rang on the doorbell and she came to open the door. <laughs> and she was surprised, she was shocked. But it was a good reunion. I always thought much of her because when I was young, when my parents passed away, she always uh, uh, brought me to church. And now when I saw her, she's married, she has two sons. Uh, she's no longer attending church or walking with the Lord. I saw some idols at her house. Probably she married a Buddhist and uh, I just want to pray for her that as time goes on, I can bring her back to the Lord. Uh, that what she has uh, put so seed in my, in my own life. Well, we are going to do this important topic on Spirit, Holy Spirit, how to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And one of the greatest tragedies of Christendom is that the one whom we most need in the present day and age to live the Christian life in power has actually become a source of controversy. Uh, indeed, the Holy Spirit has become a topic, even though He's a person. He who is a person has become merely a topic of division. And many churches have been through that process. I don't know about the, I don't know about the history of a Boolean church, whether you have such controversy over the movement of the charismatic movement and split the church. There are so many churches across the globe uh, has uh, caught some still, even many years in the 90s, the Toronto Blessing and all that, that caused some, a lot of issues among churches. And I've been through all this, I've seen in that, and uh, we need to uh, get some focus back on what the scripture says. We don't have to go to either extreme. Many times you like to quote the most extreme and therefore reject something. We need to respond and act rather than react. And as such, just like the saying goes, you don't throw what baby out with the bath water, right? And so we don't have to do that. 
And so this morning, Jesus is very certain about that. Jesus says that when I leave, I will send a comforter, an advocate to be with you. And so uh, it, is, it is necessary for us to understand this very carefully. So what I want to do is to read Ephesians chapter 5, 15 to 21, although I will only be focusing on 18 to 21. And in this, I want to give you three C's as we unpack this text. Three C. The first C is contrast. And the next C is command. The command is be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the contrast is what? Do not get drunk with wine. So there's a contrast. So there's a command, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And there is a contrast to it that say, do not get drunk with wine. And then there's a consequence. How do you see, how do you know that you are actually spirit-filled? Believer. And uh, Paul gives us some pointers as well from verse 19 onwards. So three C's, as you read the text, the three C's will begin to flow out to you, and then I'll unpack it for you. Let me read the text for you first. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. We are never asked to be clever or intelligent or smart, but always be wise. Someone said that uh, you are smart or intelligent. When you get into trouble, you are able to find a way out of it. But being wise is you won't get into trouble. <laughs> so uh, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. So you see the command there and then the contrast there. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. And then you see the consequence of a Spirit-filled believer. Speaking to one another with psalms, with hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Let me give you the contrast. The NIV basically says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. The New Living Translation gives a slightly different wording to it. They say, don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, let the Holy Spirit fill and control you. And then Eugene Peterson, who recently passed away, who wrote the message version, uh, who was a lecturer in... Uh, Regent College in Vancouver. Uh, I was hoping to visit Regent College, but I didn't get around to do that. Uh, in the message version, he said, don't drink too much wine. That cheapens your life. Drink the Spirit of God. Huge droughts of them, of Him. I don't know about you, I especially like the phrase, because it's very picturesque. Drink the Spirit of God. So note the contrast that simply said, do not get drunk on wine, 
Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Wine and the Spirit. What does drinking wine lead us to? Uh, of course, it's a matter of control, isn't it? When you are, the issue is influence or control. If you drink too much wine, you will be influenced and controlled by alcohol. Emotions may be heightened for a brief uh, period, causing you to experience anger, may be followed quickly by elation, followed quickly by depression. And if the person drinks enough wine, his mental processes will be affected and his decisions-making ability will be radically altered, almost always with a negative result. And so there's a contrast there. It's a matter of influence, it's a matter of control. So instead of being controlled and influenced by this wine, you ought to be controlled and influenced by the Holy Spirit. And feeling of the Holy Spirit, the word feeling, often we use it to mean to control or influence, isn't it? If I were to say you're filled with anger, if you're filled with fear, you're filled with jealousy, you're filled with remorse, you're filled with sorrow, you're filled with pride, you're filled with love, or you're filled with anxiety, what I'm, what I'm saying is that you are letting the emotion completely dominate and control and influence your life. That is the meaning of being filled. You're filled with anger. You're filled with jealousy. You're allowing the emotions to control and dominate your outlook and life. So being filled with the Holy Spirit simply means that you're allowing the Holy Spirit to dominate, to influence, and to control your life. So the good definition of the filling of the Holy Spirit is the influence or control the Holy Spirit exercises over us when we yield ourselves to Him. And so therefore, to be filled with something, it means to be under its control. So the person who is drunk, he will, he will be walking differently, he talks differently, he acts differently, he thinks differently, he feels differently. And so here Paul is saying, instead of being influenced by the, and controlled by alcohol, you ought to be influenced by the Holy Spirit. Influence you, and then you will walk differently, you will talk differently, you will act differently, you will think differently, and you will feel differently. And a person who is controlled by alcohol, you have impaired judgment. Whereas if you are a spirit control, you have improved judgment. So we are greatly influenced by whatever it is that fills us. If we are filled with anger, then we will be influenced by such an extent that we will say and do things that we may later regret. But a person is filled with the Holy Spirit, then it is to be influenced, controlled, or permeated by Him, and we will reflect God's moral character and be strengthened by His power. And so Paul is contrasting that. Instead of being controlled by alcohol, you ought to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. There's a study that... Uh, that uh, went on to suggest that being drunk in the, the alcohol, it is not in the sense, it's not so much social kind of things, uh, but religious. Because in the time of the uh, Roman Empire, the time uh, coming from an Eastern country and Eastern religion exposed, since young, I know what kind of Eastern religion uh, have in the spirit world. And so what this... this uh, uh, 
background of this can be, I'm saying can be, it may not necessarily be referring to social kind of alcohol drinking that affect your, your outlook, but religiously in the sense of inciting some kind of spirit. Because in those days, uh, there's some kind of spirit that you can, you can get trance into, they're inviting certain type of spirit into you, and therefore you behave a bit abnormally. And even some of this... Uh, uh, Eastern religion, Hinduism in particular, in, in India, you see that being speaking in tongues and being slain by the Spirit and all that is nothing new in Hinduism. They have had that kind of practice for thousands of years. They believe, even, even the kind of meditation is believing in this Spirit called a Kundalini Spirit. They believe that this serpent coiled around the base of your spine, that through intense rigorous meditation, you will release that serpent down coiling at the base of your spine. You release it and then you will experience certain type of awakening and you encounter freedom in your life. And that is going on in Eastern religions for thousands of years. You can watch this all in the YouTube slaying of the Spirit praying over you and people falling and all that is commonly and then rolling down on the floor laughing hysterically and barking like a dog or hissing like a snake. It's a common phenomenon in the Eastern religion, particularly in Hinduism in India. You can watch that all on the YouTube. It's very similar. And so lead somebody to say that Eastern religion has invaded some of the church's practice. But as I said, we don't have to quote the most extreme and reject something that is very genuine, which is the movement of the Holy Spirit. And so there is a study that goes on to say that the drunkenness is not necessarily referring more to the social side of it, but it's actually, Paul has in mind, very strong religious connotation because of those days that a lot of people at that time, they need to get drunk in order to invoke the Spirit to uh, kind of awaken in them and all that. But we'll stop at that. So there's a contrast there. And then now let me just move to the command. Here is very clearly, instead, Paul is saying, instead, instead of being, getting drunk on wine, instead you ought to be filled with the Holy Spirit. First and foremost, there are a few things I want to mention about this, be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a command. It is a command in the original text. It is not an optional part of the Christian life to be walked in the Spirit or Spirit-filled, walking in the Lord and letting the Spirit dominate, control, influence, permeate our lives. Every Christian is to be filled with the Spirit all of the time. And if you aren't, probably you're out of God's will. So not only it is a command, it is in the present tense. It's in the present tense. The insight is particularly helpful you keep on doing something. It's not a one-time event. Spirit feel is not a one-time event. You keep on doing something. We could legitimately translate this verse this way. Be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. Or be constantly controlled by the Holy Spirit. Or John McCarter, a pastor in America, has been a pastor for 50 years in the same church. I don't know of anybody who is going to be... And he's one pastor I know that has preached through the entire New Testament to the same congregation, word exegetically, word by word, expository, whole New Testament. 
he says, uh, you can literally translate this verse as be being kept filled with the Spirit. Be being kept filled with the Spirit. Be continually, be constantly. So it's in the present tense. It's not a once-off kind of event. The Amplified Version catches the present tense this way. But ever be filled and stimulated with the Holy Spirit. And so the filling of the Spirit is supposed to be the normal way for life for the Christian. Present tense, not past tense, not once-off. It's a continually constant, every day, every moment kind of filling of the Holy Spirit. So not only it is a command, not only in the present tense, it is also in the passive voice. Now this is very important. It's a command, but command can either be active or passive, right? If I were to say, go to Audi and get a loaf of bread, uh, that is direct, that is an active kind of command. Or in the uh, uh, Great Commission, go and make disciples of all nations. Uh, that is command by active voice. But here, being filled with the Spirit is not an active voice. It is in a passive voice. Well, it is a command, but it's in a passive voice. It said, be filled with the Spirit. It never said, fill yourself with the Spirit, which is, a, which is an active command. Fill yourself with the Spirit. That means all on you. But it's be filled with the Spirit. It is passive voice. Be filled. That gives two indications of things, application-wise, is that the Holy Spirit is ready and willing to fill us at any moment. And also, we must make ourselves available to Him. So it's not just your work. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is not just your work. You need to cooperate with the Lord. He's ever ready, but we must make ourselves available to Him. Or, if I may give you a new term, fillability. Are you fillable? Fillability. So while we allow the control of the Holy Spirit, you must be cooperating with Him. So it's in a passive voice. It is the work of God, but you have to cooperate with Him. And also, the last thing is the plural command. Uh, this command is in the plural. As he Paul were to say, let each and every one of you be filled with the Spirit. Of course, on one hand, is that every Christian is to be filled with the Holy Spirit, but there is a sense in which there is a corporate command. The church as a, as a church is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That is, filling the Holy Spirit is not something for my own personal edification alone. And therefore, if you believe in speaking in tongues as a gift from God, to me, that is the only gift given by God for self-edification. No other gifts given by God to anyone is for self-edification. It's always to use the gift for the edification of the body. And so the gifts given by God for self-edification, you should use it privately because it doesn't benefit anyone. And as the church, as we gather together, Paul talks about that in 1 Corinthians. He should use gifts, you should employ gifts that edifies the body, not edifies self. And so in some sense, this command, be filled with the Holy Spirit, is a corporate kind of things as well. And that is why Paul went on in verse 19 onwards to tell us about what you can do now that you are spirit-filled. 
You begin to sing to one another in spiritual songs. You begin to submit yourself to one another out of reverence for Christ. And all these things is, is talking about the body. It's about the body. So spirit-filled believer, you link yourself to a church so that you can use and employ your gifts to edify the body, edifies the church, and not just for self-edification, just so that you can use it to build up the body of Christ. So being filled with the Holy Spirit doesn't mean that I have more of the Spirit. Being filled with the Holy Spirit means the Spirit has more of you. More of you. It doesn't happen all at once any more than you get drunk all at once. And so, to summarize, be filled with the Holy Spirit is the issue of control, allowing the Holy Spirit to move and control and permeate and moves you to allow that that particular thing that influences you most to, to direct and lead and mold you in certain ways. So the issue of control. And then there is the issue of, of cooperation as well, that you're going to cooperate with the Lord. You need to empty yourself. I brought in here, I reminded uh, Megan and Caroline that this is not part of the, uh, the dedication. I brought this from the pantry. How do you fill this bottle with flour? You can't, right? It's already full. So how are you going to allow the Holy Spirit to fill you if you're full? If you're full of yourself? You can't. And so there's two things you need to do if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Kimchi. I don't remember buying kimchi. What must you do? You must open, you must be opened, and you must be empty. I think these two important things will lead us to being filled by you need to be opened and you need to be empty of yourself. And that is why, remember John the Baptist, he says this as well, he must Increase and I must decrease. So being filled with the Holy Spirit is being empty of yourself. It's more of the Spirit of you. That the Holy Spirit has more of you, not so much of invading into your life and allowing the Holy Spirit to control and influence and permeate your life. So you have the issue of control, you have the issue of cooperation, and then you have the issue of contact issue of context. Uh, F.B. Meyer uh, explained the Spirit's feeling this way. He said that most people think of the Spirit as a substance to fill us, like petrol, filling up a tank. So we run out of the Spirit and God fills us again. But that's not the best image to use because the Holy Spirit permanently dwells in, when he, dwells in us when you become Christian. There's no doubt about that. When you believe in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit resides in you. But he said, think of, think of it this way, like a, like a train, like a tram, electric train. So those trains run on three rails, two for the wheels and one for the electricity. The electricity is always there, but the train doesn't move unless there is contact with the third rail. 
touch that rail and the train moves. Pull away from the rail and it stops. So every mind said that the third rail is like the Holy Spirit. His power is always available and unlike your local supplying utility, there's never a power shortage and never a kind of short, shortage or cut off kind of things. But sometimes we live out of contact with His power. And when that happens, our lives simply stop working the way God intended. So there's this issue of control, there's issue of cooperation, and there's this issue of contact. That the Holy Spirit lives in us, resides in us, but we must contact with Him. We must constantly be opened and constantly empty ourselves and constantly daily draws on Him and ask the Holy Spirit to invade our life. We are continually to be controlled by the Spirit, cooperating with the Spirit and in contact with the Holy Spirit. This then is God's moment by moment provision for vitality, for strength, for courage, for bonus, for victory and the abundant life. It's for you. This is the Holy Spirit residing in us. But are we allowing the Holy Spirit to invade us, control us and mold us into the way that He wants us to be. And you need to empty yourself. You need to open up yourself and say, Holy Spirit, come, invade my life. Lead me every day of my life. Every decision that I need to make every time I ask the Lord, Lord, what should I do? I constantly depend on Him. And that is the heart of Christianity, learning to depend on the Lord and not yourself. And as we begin to depend on the Lord, we are allowing the Holy Spirit to invade our lives and control every decision that we make. Let me move on to the last bit of it, and that is the consequence. What are the consequences? If you, have, if, you, if you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you are allowing the Holy Spirit to dominate and control you. What will happen to you? Paul's here mentioned four things. Of course, it's not subject to just this particular text. There are many other texts, but in this particular text, four things will happen, four evidences in your life if you are spirit-filled believers. He said, you begin to have joyful fellowship. First one is joyful fellowship, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. When your spirit filled, you will have joyful fellowship. You enjoy being with Christians because that's where you can build each other, you can encourage one another because you're seeing things on the same page, you're running the race together and you and I know that how difficult it is to run the race as a believers, increasingly so now and therefore you enjoy, you have this joyful fellowship with other believers, whether it's in a small group, whether it is Bible study, whether it is coming to church, whether it's working bee, Yet there's this joyful fellowship. You enjoy being with believers. That's where you can help each other, shape each other, mold each other, and, and run the race together, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs in the Spirit. Mutual exaltation. Spirit-filled Christians love to build each other up, encourage one another, stir one another on for the Lord. And then, not just only joyful fellowship, but heartfelt praise. Heartfelt praise. A joyful Christian will have a heartfelt praising the Lord. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. 
sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. You have this, this spirit living in you and you will be able to sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. There's this joyful, heartfelt praise forever thanking God for His amazing grace and for all His blessings that He has blessed us with. When was the last time that you really sing and praise the Lord on your own? Every morning during my walk, I sing. I listen to praise song. I worship the Lord. And I've been learning, listening to this song called The Goodness of God. The Goodness of God. It's a beautiful song. And I hope uh, uh, we will be singing very soon. It's been singing all across many churches, The Goodness of God. Uh, heartfelt praise sing and make music in your heart to the Lord or in Colossians it says singing spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God and when you sing sometimes when you're, alone, you're singing no one will sing loud loud you know as walking only the kangaroo could hear me maybe and when when early days of my maybe I have a pastor's friend who, who is pastoring Holy Trinity Doncaster Anglican church in the Chinese service they started the church from just a field amounting to a few hundred people such a big church now and is well known in the Chinese community uh, he has a big deep operatic kind of voice whenever I walk in uh, Rafi Lake I could hear someone across somewhere singing very loud and I knew it's him <laughs> I knew it's him you know sometimes I cross his path sometimes I didn't cross his path he say oh, that's the time that I, I practice and, and my voice and all that and singing praises to the Lord so a second thing that a spirit filled Christian will do is not just joyful fellowship but heartfelt praise to the Lord the third one is abounding gratitude in verse 20 always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ there's this abounding gratitude in your heart to the Lord. A spirit-filled believers will always have this abounding gratitude. They see things differently. They don't see things as a form of entitlement. They see things differently. They always believe that life is a gift from God. Everything is a gift from God. And you hold things loosely. You give thanks to the... I work in hotel industry. I was trained in the hotel industry... And working in a hotel, I discover many different types of people. It's amazing how people can behave differently when they think that they have been they pay for it. It's amazing. It's amazing they can raise their voice, they can be upset, they can be angry just because they pay for the room. They demand for a lot of things. The ugliness of a person comes out of I, from my early days I learned about human nature. They can be so nice, but when they, when they pay for something, they feel that a short change on something, the anger suddenly rises up in them and fight for it. Abounding gratitude. You're always seeing things differently. You see life as a gift. The fact that you can breathe is a gift from God. And then you treasure uh, many things when you know that you are a gift. And then you won't hold things too tightly if you know that it's a gift from God because it's not yours it's given to you and when it's given to you you hold things very loosely even your life when you can view life as a gift you hold your life loosely share it with people share your life 
with people and don't hoard your life for yourself. You're just abounding gratitude, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. When I arrived in Melbourne on Wednesday morning, I received a text from my friend. Her husband is dying of cancer. This is what she said. Both my dear friends. Dear Glenn, Peter is terminally ill. He has been admitted three times since September 9th to yesterday. The oncologist's prognosis for him is three months to leave from the last admission in September. He went through oral chemo drugs and intravenous chemo, but they are not effective as the cancer has spread all over the body. They already stopped treatment since August due to all the aggressive side effects, only able to manage the pain with morphine and other strong painkillers. And his blood count is as low as 6.7 and requires blood transfusions. Yesterday, he was admitted after the drug transfusion due to heavy, non-stop bleeding through his anus. And the doctor advised to send him to an in inpatient hospice as I will not be able to cope taking care of him. And this is what she says. She says, so sad that Peter ending his life with such illness. Pray that he is able to go through with comfort, care, and God's mercy. And then she closed out by saying, Thanks be to our God, our Redeemer. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow Him. You don't thank God for cancer, but you thank God for life. That He's able to live the life and always grateful to God for everything. With deep gratitude for life, that doesn't mean to say that he's, she's not sad. She's just so sad that I have to see my, my husband suffer in that way. So sad. But at the same time, it, in the midst of trial, in the midst of pain, in the midst of sadness, there's this deep gratitude that God, you have been good. You have been good to us. You are a good God. You are in charge. You are sovereign. You are in control. Just before my sermon, uh, uh, Mimi just came to me and said, Pastor, I hope you don't mind me sharing this. Uh, she asked me to pray for her, for her job application in RMIT. And she told me, she said, Pastor, just to let you know that I didn't get the job. I wanted to let you know while you're on holiday, but I thought I, I would hold that. I didn't get the job, but praise the Lord, I can go through the process. God is sovereign. It's just not His timing. Abounding in gratitude. As spirit-filled believers always abounding in gratitude even though we may be going through very severe trials because there's still deep joy in us joy doesn't depend on circumstances happiness does joy depends on a relationship some of the poorest people in the world are joyful people some of the richest people in the world are absolutely miserable so wealth is overrated to bring happiness don't have to pursue that with our lives. Abounding gratitude. And lastly, a spirit-filled believer is what I call reverent submission. Reverent submission. Not just joyful fellowship, heartfelt praise, abounding gratitude, but reverent submission. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. There's this mutual kind of submission to one another. There's this 
humility that governs your life that you will not be puffed up because of your social status or, or your whichever suburb that you live in or your wealth status or what kind of title you have in front of your name there's this reverent submission to one another if you're spirit-filled you and I know I know someone who is spirit-filled when they know how to submit to one another they know where they are they know their true identity they don't need to, to exert themselves in certain ways to puff up yourself to use your authority unnecessarily a spirit-filled person is humble, gentle, and meek. Meek is not weak. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness is power under control. He's not proud. He's not aggressive. His reverence for Christ is a source of his humility. And as a servant of Christ, he possesses a servant spirit. And therefore, he does not find it difficult to submit to other believers. And I've seen many, many, many people who are not governed by the Spirit and therefore have wreaked havoc in the church, split the leadership, elders and pastors suing one another in one of the Chinese church in Glen Iris. And two pastors that I know fighting for senior pastors' position. I don't know what kind of spirit-filled believers is that. I don't know. And so it says, is this mutual reverence submission to one another because out of reverence for Christ. And so as spirit-filled believers, you will often have that four marks in you. There's this joyful fellowship and joy coming together to edify, build each other up. There's this heartfelt praise to God for everything that He has given to you. And there's this abounding gratitude for life that God has given to you here, living in this part of the world. And there's this mutual reverence, submission, to one another out of reverence for Christ so how to be filled with the Holy Spirit you got to empty yourself and you have to be opened and daily ask the Holy Spirit to invade your life to control you and day by day as you do it you allow the Spirit to invade more and more parts of you then you begin to walk in the way of the Lord. Holy Spirit is for you. Don't worry about those excesses, those abuses that we have sinned. Uh, we don't always have to think that that is the representative of that kind of movement. It's not. There are many, many well-grounded, good, solid, spirit-filled churches. Um, as they said, if you have word without spirit, you dry up. If you have spirit without word, you blow up. But if you have word and spirit, you grow up. So we must have word and the spirit. And when we have that, we grow up. So I want to invite you now to pray with me. You want to be spirit-filled? Holy Spirit is for you. God gives us these gifts. Jesus said, I depart so the Holy Spirit can come upon you to indwell in you, to be your guide, to be your comforter, to be your friend, to be your advocate, and to daily walk with you. It's for you. And when we have the Holy Spirit in us, then 
we can live victorious Christians. So I want to invite you to join me in praying that we might be filled with the Holy Spirit. The words doesn't matter as much as the attitude of the heart. So would you pray this prayer with me now? Holy Father, I ask you to fill me with your Holy Spirit so that I might live a life pleasing to you. I want my life to bring glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. I am empty and I need to be filled. Thank you for forgiving my sin through the death of your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for sending the Holy Spirit to indwell me. Please empower me so that I can be salt and light in my world. I pray this in faith, believing that you will answer my prayer as you have promised. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word. We thank you for Holy Spirit. Thank you that you have provided him. You've given him to us, to indwell in us. He's always there. Forgive us. Many times we neglect Him. Many times we did not tap on Him. Many times we do not empty ourselves and ask Him to invade our lives. We are full of ourselves. We are full of our own thinking. We are full of our own views. And therefore, we fall miserably. We need the Holy Spirit. We ask you, Lord, to come into our lives, invade us, control us, influence us, permeate us. We will cooperate with you. We will be in contact with you. Every day, we ask you to walk with us. And when we do that day by day, step by step, we begin to experience the wonderful Spirit-filled life. We enjoy fellowshipping with others. We have heartfelt praise. We have abounding gratitude to you. And we will know how to mutually submit ourselves to one another in this body that reflects Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. Bless this church. As a church, we are all spirit-filled. And as a church, we are spirit-filled. And as a church, we can be a body that do mighty things for you. Thank you, Lord. You are a good God. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. I think we choose a very appropriate closing song, I Surrender All. Shall we stand and sing this?